0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the New Managers Club podcast for our second episode. I'm as excited as I was the first time. I hope you all are too, particularly you, Molly.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm very excited. This is a really interesting topic. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it.
0: Amazing.
1: So as you may know by now, I'm Ali. And I'm Molly.
0: And in case you don't know, we're a pair of 20-something marketing managers. You may already be familiar with the drill by now, but we're six months into the world of managing people. It's chaotic, but we love it. And we also love all of you for tuning in today. And we'll assume That you're here because you want to take your managerial skills to the next level. Whether you're a new manager or bussing your ass for your first managerial position, we'll help you through this important and challenging time in your career. Now, Molly and I may not be experts, but we have experience, and together with you, our lovely listeners, we're all going to take the panic out of managing people. And guess what? It's official. You're part of the club. So let's get into today's episode. You've heard about the importance of being earnest, or at least my fellow English Lit graduates have, but now it's in time for the importance of being honest. In this episode, we're going to talk about why admitting that you don't know is not a bad thing, and how important it is to sometimes ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing?
1: Have you ever asked yourself that, Molly? All the time. All the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a question we'll be asking you a lot throughout this um, episode, but what we'll be doing today is giving you some strategies for coping with feeling out of your depth and some ways to approach honest conversations with your line manager when you need support. So, I'm going to start us off by talking about something that might be controversial. I actually haven't told Molly about this at all. She's giving me quite a scared look right now, but... um, I'm actually gonna talk about a different Molly, Molly May and her diary of a CEO episode. If you haven't heard about this, I honestly don't know where you've been for the month of January. You know about it, Molly, I
1: presume. Yeah, I yeah? Do. Have you listened to the full episode? I listen to every episode of that podcast, so yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> Stephen Bartlett, if you're listening, you are so welcome for that blog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Molly May has caused a stir, rightly or wrongly, we're not here to say. We're definitely not here to get into that debate. Mm-hmm. Um, but with some of the comments that she made recently in her episode of Stephen Bartlett's podcast... One thing she did say, which isn't controversial, or so I hope we might be about to get ourselves into a social media storm, but I hope we are not is that one of the ways that she's got to where she is in life is by admitting when she doesn't know and asking the damn question which Stephen Bartlett himself agreed with throughout the episode. He did. You know, yeah. the importance of sometimes when you're in a room where you feel really intimidated, I think the mm-hmm. example that she used was finance. So when you're feeling like you don't know, you know, what a budget is, what a line oh, item is, what yeah. a what an invoice even is, I definitely find myself asking that question for sure <laughs> from time to time. Um you know, she says that she is very upfront about the fact that she just doesn't know and she will ask someone and say, sorry, can we just pause because I need to? I need clarification on what's happening here. Yeah. And one of the ways she says that she kind of copes with that is by reflecting on what she is bringing to the table and that she will focus in on her strengths and why she's in that room, despite the fact that she doesn't know what, you know, gross profit revenue is. I don't even know if that's actually a phrase <laughs> or if I've just put a load of finance jargon together. But um, it's really important, isn't it, Molly? Do yeah, you think?
1: I think that's really interesting, that point around focusing on your strengths, as opposed to thinking you, you could if you think about all the topics there are in the world, there is so much that we all don't know and I think that's key. You've got to focus on your strengths, don't you? I really like that way of looking at it
0: yeah I think it's really interesting and she was very candid about the fact that being the age that she is 22 she doesn't know a lot of what you know middle management senior leadership will be bringing to the table but ultimately what she does know is her brand herself her customer and that's why she's invited to the table in the first place so um she was she was really um interestingly talking about that she was she was really um interestingly talking about that um scenario of just saying i don't know and i need to know Mm. so i'm gonna ask the question and find out yeah Molly, when you're in a position of leadership,
1: how important do you think it is to be transparent when you don't know something? I I think to an extent it depends on the topic, but... I think people can tell when you're bullshitting them <laughs> when yeah. you are pretending to know something that you don't. We've all been meetings where someone's just bullshitting their way through and you're just thinking in your head, God, you really don't know the answers here. Just just admit it. Just back down. It tends to be if they take like five plus minutes to answer. Yeah, really. <laughs> Simple yeah. question. Yeah. Or it's just, they're just not quite getting to the point or giving a definitive answer. But um, I think it's quite clear on most occasions when people aren't. Mm aren't being honest about that
0: so on the flip side of that we've all to molly's point sat in those meetings where we've just cringed our way through either something that we're saying (laughs) or something that someone else has said where clearly they just haven't quite got to grips with the question have you ever been in a situation where someone perhaps more senior than you has said i don't know
1: oh i think a way that most people approach that situation is instead of just saying i don't know end of there they say i don't know but i'll find out mm. or i don't know but can you go and look into that for mm. us yeah i i don't know anyone that would just outright say i don't know <laughs> <laughs> end of story we're not looking into that anymore yeah but um for sure and um, i think that's typically how i've seen it approached i don't know but i'm gonna find out Or i don't know you're gonna find out
0: Yeah, absolutely. The two options. (laughs) More often than not, you're going to find out. Um, But actually that's quite interesting. There's someone that Molly and I both work with who immediately sprung to mind when you gave that example. They're in quite a senior position within our department and they are really open and honest about the fact that because they're operating at a very senior level... They're never going to have all the information. They're not going to be yeah. in the nitty-gritty of what's going on on a day-to-day basis. And they're very keen to draw on the knowledge that we have, yeah. being at a lower level, you know, managing teams, doing the day-to-day stuff. And this person will always say, can you tell me more about that? I want to understand mm. why this is happening or, you know, what's the implication of this? And is always really keen to dig deeper so that yeah. they do know the answer and they have that understanding.
1: That. I really like that because not only are they then gaining that knowledge, but the people that are being asked feel empowered and valued. Yeah. Like if someone wants to come to me and say, oh, could you tell me about digital advertising? I'd be like, oh, like, I'm so happy that you want to know about that. Let's go and have a look. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a really good approach.
0: Yeah, I completely agree so have you been in that position yourself where you've been hit with a question they're like throwing all the jargon at you and particularly (laughs) I think it's probably worth saying here that we we both work in marketing which people may already know
1: well you get thrown in all the jargon and buzzwords (laughs) more than any other industry I feel like like, yeah it's very common
0: but then I think particularly for you Molly because you work specifically in digital marketing And (laughs) there are so many acronyms, there is so much jargon, there's so much, um, there's these kind of buzz phrases that people pick up and they just will Uh, not let go of. And I know that exists in, you know, in the world of work generally, (laughs) like, I'm going to circle back and I'm you know I'm low on bandwidth and all those horrible things that just make you want to scream but particularly for you there's probably quite a lot of people trying to dig into answers about why things are happening digitally. Um, I think I was in a meeting the other day when you were asked about something general to do with just the digital landscape and it's you know this is big stuff (laughs) that people are asking of you. Yeah I know it
1: was based on cookies and how that's Third-party cookies and data, and how that landscape is changing—that's a—that's a big topic for anybody.
0: <laughs> you know, we've all been in those scenarios when particularly when it's someone more senior than you is asking mm. you a question and you don't know. Could you
1: tell that I was sort of like taking no. an educated guess at that answer? No, not at all. no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> not at all, not at all. But I think it—it's so easy to be more critical of yourself yeah. than other people do. To be honest, I think. Uh, And yes, there are those kind of cringy examples where someone just will not shut up (laughs) with an answer. But nine times out of ten, probably just kind of having a go and giving an answer, sharing some insight, basing it on what you've kind of experienced um, so far. I I generally just tend to be quite impressed that people can, you know, put Mm -hmm. that together in terms of an answer rather than just saying... I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So no, I absolutely could not tell. But what do you do in those kind of scenarios? So someone, you know, presents you with something and you don't know the answer. Mm. Where do you go with it?
1: I, I often find, I'll either say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Or I'll take an educated guess at something. I'll have a good understanding and I'll sort of base my thoughts off of that. But I like to be clear in, if I'm not certain about something, I want to make sure... That that's clear, and that I'm saying this is what I think right now based on this information. But that could change when I look into X, Y, Z. But I have found being in a management role, people want me to have strong opinions on something. They want me to know the answers. Yeah. I often find, and I don't know if it's just my personality type, but when someone wants a solution to something or an answer, I often think there are so many solutions to this. There are so many possibilities. There's not one right answer, Um, and so I, I find sometimes I'm like, God, just like form an opinion, Molly. <laughs> but then I'm so open to the possibilities and open to other people's opinions that, um, yeah, sometimes it's not even I just don't know. It's just that there are so many good answers. Not, mm. There's not one correct answer, but this comes down to something that I, I think I read it in a book. It no, it was. It was called um, "Start Now, Get Perfect Later." So oh, many. Who bought you that? Book? Oh, That Ali bought me that for my ah. birthday. Thanks, Ali. Good one. <laughs> oh my god, that it was for your birthday. That's such a shit birthday present. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was the, one of the best birthday presents. <laughs> and, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, it was good. And he says in there. That there are there are so many good options sometimes, routes that you could take. But as a leader, you just need to pick the best one reasonably quickly and make that work. Lots of different routes could work, but pick a side, make it work and give it your all. Don't sort of make a decision, sort of take a while to make a decision and then keep questioning yourself. You need to, you know, believe in the decision that you're making. Make sure that you're going to make it work and get your team on board with that as well. So I thought, I think that's quite a good way of looking at it. As someone that's quite sort of sometimes indecisive and I like to have all the data and facts before I like to make a decision Mm. that really helped me when reflecting on like it doesn't like what's the worst outcome here we pick the wrong decision and we do something else like um so yeah that uh, that reading that really helped me I think
0: I think one of the scariest things when you become a manager is as you've kind of mentioned there, the level of commitment that you have to make sometimes, Ooh. you know, you will be asked to make snap decisions with very mm. little information. And suddenly, yeah. just because you're a pay grade hire, it's like, oh, no, sh- sorry, you don't know the answer to this. No, you need to. We mm. need an answer on this right now. And yeah. I guess it's because you're kind of round the table with those decision makers more, you're put on the spot more, you've got, mm-hmm. um, you know, more time to shine, as it were, which often just ends up being time that you wish you could just oh, hide. God. Um you know but it's actually interesting that you um pick up on that because it's this is something that I struggle with right so um I remember when I first became a manager and you and I actually Molly were talking about what makes a good manager yeah um I don't know if you remember this conversation um and we were saying basically it's really hard to know what a good manager is right a good manager looks different to different people what people need from management is so different but ultimately as long as you're set in your style yeah. you know you know what kind of manager you want to be but equally with that knowledge you are open to adapting what you do mm-hmm. based on what your team need yeah between those two things I don't feel you can go too far wrong no. um and so I remember I um I went out for dinner with my dad I went for Thai food and uh, <laughs> sorry I was just reliving that meal it was really nice um and I kind of put this to him and said you know, this is what I think is a good manager. Um, and he said that one of the most important things he thinks is being decisive. Ooh. And that really stuck with me. You know, he he kind of said, yeah, I, I agree with what you said so far, but I would absolutely add in there the ability to make a decision and yeah. stick to it. Um and I, I completely agree with him and it really it really stuck with me and as you all know there's nothing worse than a manager umming and ahhing, oh, um yeah. over what the right thing to do is or stalling on a decision when you really need mm-hmm. an answer or you know making one decision and then changing their mind. It, it can be a real nightmare when yeah. you need kind of information, you need a decision and you and I Molly, have both been on the other side of that where we've been reporting into a manager mm-hmm. um, and you know you need answers on things and sometimes you don't get them, Sometimes it's yeah. really hard to kind of get that time with a manager to make a decision. It um, is. But this is something that I hold on to a bit when it comes to admitting that I don't know something because mm-hmm. I kind of think I have to be decisive. I have yeah. to be that person that's kind of steering the team in the right direction. But equally, it is really important to be authentic and sometimes say, I don't know what the right call is here. You know, yeah. I don't have all the information that I need to make a decision. And so I really struggle with both being that decisive manager and equally being authentic enough to say, not sure you know yeah. what what do you guys think what's the right call and I don't know I mean is this is something that you've experienced Molly
1: yeah I think it's important I think part of what you just said about asking the team for yeah. their opinions and I think this, I think it's important to have people that you can trust that you can talk to and ask for their opinions people that sort of have your best interest and in the team's best interests at heart um, and I remember asking you actually on something in particular I wasn't sure on in my really early days of management someone in my team had to come up with this really cool um idea for a reel on Instagram and I was like, Oh, like that is an amazing reel and I'm sure it'd do it really, really well, but I'm just not sure that that's right for us for a few different reasons. Um I think that I thought there was potential to offend people in there. And this is something that I discussed with Ali and I I was I was on this particular occasion I was too indecisive. Mm. I think I took too long to decide Um, but I spoke to you and I said Ali tell me what you think this is what I'm thinking this is why what do you think and you came back and you said the benefits outweigh the risks and I was like fine yeah but I think it's important to have people that you can trust to discuss these things with sometimes especially in the early days I think as Someone that's naturally in my personal life, maybe a little bit indecisive, like picking what restaurant to go to. I'm just so like chilled, I'd, I'd eat anywhere. I'm not, <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> but um, can confirm that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're listening and you sort of can relate to that, I wouldn't panic too much because I'm now six months into this and I feel like I'm becoming more decisive. Mm. Um, I'm sort of really weighing up those risks like what is the risk if I got that wrong I find that I'm making decisions quicker so yeah I think it's something that you learn over time not everybody's naturally very decisive and I think also it's important to have those qualities where you do you do look at the data and the insights to and sort of weigh up all the options before making a decision and I think that's that's okay and I think it depends on the scale of des- the decision that you're making um so yeah it's fine to take your time to make a decision but um I think that process will get quicker as you progress through your management role and even if you're an aspiring manager and you're not yet in a management role this is something that you can practice I mean I wish Mm. I'd practiced earlier on being more decisive so sometimes I'd go to my manager and I'd say oh what do you think about this and then let's wait for their lead on it but I could have come to them and said this is what I think Mm. I think we should go for that because XYZ, mm. and that would have massively helped me when I got into my management role because I think it would come more naturally to me making it being quite decisive.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I feel like being decisive or decision making generally is a muscle that you have to exercise. Yeah, like if you don't use yeah. it, you lose it for sure. And now I sound really cheesy when I say that, but <laughs> it, it, seriously, though, because it to Molly's point, it absolutely does get easier. I think, I'm trying to remember what the first, like, major decision I had to make was when I became a manager. Probably hiring oh, people, I I was just which that. was quite a big yeah. decision. Um, and I definitely stalled a bit on that. That was definitely a, a very nerve-wracking decision to have to make. That's a like, high-stakes one that you need to take your time <laughs> with. Um, but genuinely, yeah, you can absolutely practice. I think it's really difficult because one of the things that I have found... In taking on a management role, is that sometimes you can feel quite exposed, and that can be really challenging when it comes to making decisions. You know, if something goes wrong, you are the person that is kind of called Mm. on to answer, you know, to give the reasons why, to justify a position, to give your recommendation on the proposed solutions. And actually, sometimes I'm picking that trail of the decisions that were made. Can make you question yourself and make yeah. you think. You know, did I make the right call there? And God, am I? Do I know what I'm doing yeah. because I made that decision? And actually, it turned out not to quite be the right thing for whatever reason. But it can be quite exposing to have your decisions kind of analysed in that much detail. I kind of feel like previously <laughs> Molly and I were both executives, so we were kind of second level up yeah you know, second rung up the ladder in terms of the overall hierarchy in our department just to give you an idea of kind of where we went from and where we now are um now we're on that third rung um i don't <laughs> actually know Go how us. many rungs this ladder has <laughs> um yeah i think it's so we halfway wow oh yeah that's quite cool okay yeah. um we'll be toppling it in no time um, no no god our, our director's gonna kill us for saying that uh, <laughs> Yeah. So when you're in that position, when you're kind of below management level, you kind of can fly under the radar. And if you've got a good manager, they will represent you. You know, they'll fight for your team. They'll, you know, get the right decisions made. They'll get the budget you need. They'll do the right things for you Mm. so that you don't have to kind of go toe to toe with someone else and, you know, and, and have to make those decisions or be in those difficult conversations. And then when you become a manager you're like you're flying above the radar. You know what I mean? Like you're you're yeah. you're on the radar, you are, you know, like head over the parapet, you're in there, you're in the thick of it all. And it can it can feel quite exposing, I think. Do you find that?
1: Yeah, I do. I think we are very lucky that because we're still early on, there's a lot of understanding. Yes. I think I agree not with that. that either of us have made any major mistakes, but if we were to make a mistake I think there would be the understanding there that we're new to this and ultimately we have the company's best interests at heart always. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think this kind of feeling of, you know, being exposed, um, feeling indecisive, this all speaks to a wider conversation around imposter syndrome I think which
1: uh, that is probably
0: going to be like our most mentioned phrase throughout this podcast and I promise we will do a specific episode on it at some point because there is just so much to dive into around that but speaks to this idea that sometimes we just feel like we don't know what we're doing
1: yeah I've definitely had those days for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so tell me about a time you know what's the time since you became a manager when you've most thought what the fuck am I
1: doing I I think it was in the really early days, and I remember being halfway through this monthly report that we do as a digital team. It's like a forty-page document, like really detailed. That's yeah, of our our website performance, social performance, absolutely everything. And also, the previous manager, so the person whose job I'd taken over, had I think had set pretty high standards. She mm. was very good at her job. Um, and I worked in in her team for three years, so I I saw that, and it put the pressure on a little bit. I was thinking so
0: inconsiderate of her, honestly. <laughs> I mean,
1: wow. <laughs> no, she was brilliant, but um, I was kind of feeling like, oh, I need to make sure that this is right, that the data's correct, and it just felt a little bit overwhelming at the time. Mm. I was I put a lot of pressure on myself to have done it quite quickly. So yeah, I think that's a, the first time sort of just what, what am I doing here? Do I deserve to be here? Like, what is this? But I'm further down the road from there. And it does, like I was saying about being more decisive, like, it just gets easier with time. And I think if you're very, very new to your management role, it's quite hard to pick things up when someone's sort of like, halfway through it, or you're taking things on, the way that someone else used to do it, but I think eventually you sort of find your flow with things Mm. and you have an understanding of why things are done the way that they're done. And that sort of helps, I think, with just knowing what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I'm quite lucky in that I didn't have an act to follow, but I do think that taking on a role from someone else, particularly someone that set really high standards Mm. and, you know, left big shoes to fill is probably another thing that we could fill a whole episode with. You know, that's a very specific challenge to... Oh,
1: yeah, it's sure. ...live I, up. <laughs> yeah, I remember someone else in our department, not in any way meaning to offend me at the time, went oh but blah 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 I used to do it like that and that was so great and I and I was only a few weeks into my role and I just my heart sank a little bit I was like I'm really really trying here like I just want the best for my team and the company and the department and just to hear that and it was in no way intended that way but I was just a bit like oh god Mm. I'm doing my best what more can I do here Mm. but um yeah it's what it is Well, clearly your best was good enough and you're
0: still here and you're still doing it. No, absolutely. I think it can be so easy to just feel massively out of your depth. And I think there are certain situations where it comes out more than others. I mean, I've mentioned on this podcast and I think on our last one about going through that hiring process really early on in my management role and that was a real time when I thought you know I'm representing the organization to new candidates and also in an interview setting there are so many things that you could say wrong you know the stakes are very high you're in front of you know people that don't know you it's very different and I was interviewing with a very senior member of our department who was helping me through the interview process. And it was a real time of feeling like, I've got to step up. I've got to look like I know what I'm doing. And particularly because if I wanted to hire any of these people, I needed them to... Trust in you. Yeah, trust yeah. in me, respect me, respect my authority, you know, all those <laughs> things. No, but just, yeah. seriously, you know. And that's the time when I just thought like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I had to Google that like, interview questions. Oh. <laughs> but you do, you know, because... I hadn't done it before. I'd sat on the other side of the table and been interviewed, but I hadn't interviewed... Well, I had interviewed someone before, but I hadn't taken kind of a leading role in it. Um, And definitely that experience helped a little bit,
1: but, God, yeah, that was, like, another level. (laughs) I think that's okay, though. Like, Google is our friend. (laughs) Google (laughs) is our friend. It is. Like, I use Google... Way more than I should, probably. I think half the emails in my inbox could be wiped out if people just learned how to use Google properly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes, Molly, when you ask me a question and you and I'm like, can you give me a sec? I'm in the middle of something. Just, <laughs> That's what I'm doing when you You're just Googling, are you? I would
0: never know. <laughs> really? <laughs> I actually... Do you know what? It really stresses me out when someone will ask me a question, like verbally, rather than just writing it down. Yes. Because if they're asking me... They're like, in front of me, they're in my face. I need to know the answer right then and there. Whereas, if they write it down, it's like...
1: You have time to process. Okay, well, I know not to ask questions (laughs) to your face anymore. No, you're
0: a bit different. But um, it's true, though. But also, genuinely, I think there is something in my brain that struggles to process things verbally and and definitely I feel Mm. a lot stronger with kind of written um, communication like in my role I review a lot of copy because I I work in kind of content and copywriting and if someone says to me oh how would you phrase this and they say it out loud genuinely haven't Mm. got a clue whereas if I see it in front of me so much easier to be like oh you move that word to there that word to there but actually being quite aware of that in other people I think can be quite helpful to know kind of if I want to get the best out of someone. If I want to get the right answer, how am I going to ask that to them mm. in a way that they'll accept
1: and feel more comfortable with? Yeah, definitely. No, that's really interesting. I think that's something that we'll sort of learn about maybe our teams more as we go on. As the longer you work with someone, I think the smoother that sort of thing is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: definitely. Okay, so we talked a little bit about teams earlier and we've circled back around to it, if I can say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to keep saying that, don't worry. Um, so we talked about the kind of scenarios where you're in a group setting and you maybe your team members ask you something that you don't know the answer to. And you've said, you put your hands up and said, I don't know. You've mm-hmm. probably dressed it up in a way that we've <laughs> talked about. Um, you haven't just said, I don't know. But how? So you've got your team there. How do mm-hmm. you draw on their knowledge and ask them the questions and encourage them to have opinions without losing your own sense of authority? Because I think it can be quite easy to feel... Disempowered, unempowered. I actually mm. don't know what the right word is there. This is the kind of thing that I would Google <laughs> if someone asked me. Um, but it can be quite easy to kind of like lose your sense of empowerment if you think, God, I don't know. And I'm having to ask someone that's more junior than me, maybe yeah. younger than me, paid less than me, to tell me the answer to this. You know, yeah. that can feel like quite a, a vulnerable thing to do, I think.
1: Yeah, I think with <laughs> maybe I'm not the best person to ask, I think with my personality type. I, it's just not something that I particularly struggle with, and well, also, asking
0: for opinions from others. Yeah, and I ah, don't, I don't
1: feel like um, I'm losing my authority in any way by asking them. I genuinely want to know their opinion. I think it helps that the team that I lead, all of our decisions are very much based on the data and insights. So if someone's telling me their opinion, often it's, I'm saying this because X, Y, Z points mm. to that. So I think that sort of helps. But I remember being on a leadership course really early on in my um, management role and somebody else was telling me about their experience and they were saying they feel it's hard for them to delegate because they're worried their team member will do it better than them and make them look bad. Mm. And that's, it was really interesting for me to hear that perspective because that's not something that is anywhere, like it that would never even cross my mind. Like if someone in my team is doing something well, I'm like, go you. Like, you're absolutely smashing it, <laughs> making me look great in the process. So absolutely. keep going. And I was just, I think it comes from almost like a place of insecurity. Yeah. When that happens. Massively. And I think, and then I was thinking, like, why don't I feel super insecure in that sense? And I think it's because I go to extreme lengths to keep up to date. With the latest things that are happening in the industry that I work in, I will spend hours a week reading and listening to podcasts. So I know, ultimately, that like, I've done my bit. I'm, mm. I've tried really hard. I'm staying up to date where I can. And anything that my team have to add to that is just adding value. It's just helping us. And I don't feel threatened by it at all, actually.
0: Yeah, that's really
1: interesting. I think
0: insecure managers are (laughs) Uh, yeah are probably the worst but actually i think that we've probably touched on some of the themes today that are the reason why they're so insecure yeah i think that it it could be quite easy and i hope that neither of us will fall into this trap and hopefully doing this new managers podcast will make sure that we don't but i think it could be quite easy to go to the extreme where you feel so insecure you feel such a lack of confidence in your own position that you go to the extreme of asserting your authority yes too far, yeah. You know, you sure. you do the complete opposite of what comes naturally to you, and you kind of internalise the thought that you need to have that really strong sense of authority. Yeah. So then you don't listen to anyone. You feel threatened when someone, you know, a bright person in your team mm-hmm. puts forward an idea that you haven't had. I think that's almost quite an easy position to default to. You know, if you are feeling really insecure, to just think, well, do you know what? I'm going to go the opposite way and make sure that mm. you know no one has the ability to question me because they're probably already questioning themselves so much. Yeah.
1: No, that I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I think um, It doesn't make it better. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I, I think I think that can have such a negative impact on people's careers if you're sort of putting their ideas down or um, oh, Absolutely. Yeah, you're sort of you're just killing their confidence. and ultimately, as a manager, it makes you look bad. Like yeah. you want the best coming out of your team as absolutely. possible. I think it's a bad move. It is a really bad move, but I can see how people would fall into that. Mm-hmm. But then, equally,
0: that insecurity probably does give people a tendency to be quite single-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're so focused on making sure that you don't fall into the traps of not knowing the answer, of appearing vulnerable, appearing like you don't know what you're doing, it's. I think it's quite hard to not just focus on yourself as an individual and to think about that wider team perspective, because yeah. you're so uncertain you feel like your own position is so fragile mm. that potentially you know someone else in your team could come and knock you off at any time so you're so focused on yourself you're not able to take that kind of team view
1: yeah i think that's really interesting no, i've definitely seen managers that do that and i think although i would say i'm not a particularly confident person a lot of the time but in this particular area i i just i don't worry about one of my team members taking my job because I if they can I think wow that's amazing go you I'm gonna mm-hmm. go on to the next thing yeah like there's so many opportunities out there and I would love to be to sort of leave this role eventually knowing that one of my team members feel like they can take that on yeah. and I would support them in any way possible for them so to get true. there I think that's so exciting it reminds me of this book that I read that's called lift as you climb just, that's an inspiring title I already feel yeah. like wow <laughs> yeah and I just think that like Bringing people up with you, like making sure that they've got the opportunities to sit on a, in on particular meetings or do particular tasks that sort of fall in part of the management role. Like I have, I'd have no issues with someone in my team shadowing me to see what it's like to be a manager. I think there are, you know, people that I work with now that would, are potentially going to move on to management roles in the near future. And I think mm. um, I would, I would love to support them in any way possible, but I don't feel at all threatened by that. Yeah.
0: Amazing! Wow, Molly, you're a more well-rounded manager than a lot of the ones that I've seen. But no, it's an incredible way of looking at it. I'd like to say that I'm not like massively threatened by any of uh, the people in my team, and that's normal. I'm not trying to give that perspective because that's how I feel. But it's an interesting kind of other side of the coin, and helps to mm. kind of explain some of the behaviours that can be quite problematic in um, managers and definitely some that we've seen I think in our time yeah
1: and if you're really sort of struggling with that in your management role feeling like a bit insecure and like you're not good enough I think just like take some time to reflect on the things that you are doing well and really focus on your strengths and um yeah I think maybe it just takes time but I think you'll get there and that insecurity sort of will fall away hopefully
0: I think that it's one of those things where there's always going to be things that you don't know
1: Yeah. Always,
0: always, always, always. The most high-flying, successful CEO in the world does not know Mm. everything. There's absolutely no way that you possibly can. Mm. But I feel like the people that are most able to succeed, actually, to come back to the point that Molly May made, but genuinely she did, you know, in this podcast she said... Actually, it might have been Stephen Bartlett that was praising her by saying it, that the people that get furthest are the people that ask the question Mm. and seek the answers and understand that they're not going to know everything but surround themselves with people that do and Mm -hmm. draw on their knowledge to kind of feed their own knowledge and their own energy in a role. Um, So I definitely think that that's a a much better kind of position to take and and definitely is one that gets you further. Mm. It's interesting, actually, because something that I really wanted when I was hiring my team and I probably have said this to you already Molly is I wanted a really diverse set of skills so that I could mm. do exactly that I did not as much as I suppose it might make my life easier but actually it probably would just drive me absolutely insane if I worked with people like me yeah. I, would, <laughs> I would hate it Like, I'm not only because I'm a massive pain in the arse but mm. because oh thanks for agreeing with that <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I didn't mean to agree with that
0: it's true i am it's fine i don't
1: mind sure. no, i don't know why i said that <laughs> i was just going through the motions mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm.
0: you're Keep being going. a good listener <laughs> you are not, not. <laughs> no i am like genuinely i would really really piss myself off really? i think yeah massively i yeah.
1: think you're great to work with but, oh, because...
0: <laughs> but i think if i had like a little me because it just i i just mm. i'm just i can you be quite have annoying very
1: high expectations <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, I do. Um, And if I had someone in my team, like, holding me to those standards, that would really fuck me off. Um, (laughs) But no, it would, because, you know, if you're too similar, you definitely clash. But Mm. genuinely, I wanted people in my team that would bring different things, to me and something actually i did this same leadership course as molly did and it was it was absolutely amazing i don't know if we can mention it by name because um we actually work for the company that provide it um, which is (laughs) why we both got to go on it but um it was honestly incredible Mm. i actually took it before i became a manager but i was already in a kind of pseudo team leader role where it was just myself and one other person and we had quite a lot of autonomy as a team so i kind of felt like i had to lead us because i was the most senior person in the team in terms of job title so i kind of felt like i was taking on some management responsibility and i really wanted to support with that and it was so it was one of the most revolutionary things that i think i've done in my career and that sounds bold but genuinely like mm-hmm. it was so
1: good it was a good course yeah and one of the
0: things that they said in it was that in a small team, you need diversity Mm -hmm. because you have got a kind of limited opportunity. You don't have... 10 people where you can afford to have two people that specialize in the same thing or that had the same strengths. you need different people to bring different strengths and if you just had a team that were all the same what you could achieve would be very limited because you'd all be focused on the same areas mm. and there would be a massive oversight you know things that you weren't interested in things that you weren't looking into or developing within yeah. the team and that's something that i definitely internalized you know really wanted a diverse mix of skills and experience but then that has allowed me to really draw on them um and help me kind of guide my first six months in my managerial role because mm-hmm. they're just able to bring things that I don't have. Yeah. And that's great. Like that's what I <laughs> that's what I wanted because um, you know, what's the point of having another one of me? I would rather have someone that can yeah, bring something. Challenge different. me. Yeah. yeah. Challenge me. Make me think differently. Do things that I'm not well suited to yeah. you know play to I uh, play to their strengths and they play to mine you know that's mm. the point you want that kind of symbiotic relationship
1: yeah that's really interesting actually and it's sort of making me reflect on my team I think although we have very different skills and experience in terms of our personality types we're very similar mm. and I think that's potentially because we are people that work data but we're also a little bit creative the team that i manage now i sort of inherited so but we're all very similar personality types although we have this sort of mix of skills and experience um but i think yeah i think it does depend on what sort of role you work in definitely um because if you've got someone that hates data and processing things and like thinking about things in that sort of sense in a in a team that needs that it's quite quite difficult yeah
0: no i definitely wasn't hiring for like mathematicians (laughs) in my (laughs) content (laughs) marketing team um but more so like behaviors and strengths Mm. and um values you know different things that they could bring and focus on and um you know their own experience and what they could draw from so yeah i think that has really helped us and it helped me because i've i haven't had a choice but to be challenged Because I didn't take an easy route. I mean, thank God a mini-me didn't come through the hiring process. I didn't have that option in front of me. But, you know, I I have been forced to look at things differently and draw on their experience. And I just, I always remind myself, like, this is why you're here, is Mm -hmm. to bring this to the team. Um, And so that really helps me to not get that sense of imposter syndrome when I'm Mm. getting their opinions. Or It's not even so much getting their opinions because, you know, you should always ask for opinions. You should always, yeah. you know, try and bring your team members um into decision making as much as you possibly can. But I think it's more so if you feel that and I think everyone's been there where someone that is either more junior than you, you feel like they know more or you feel like they have information or knowledge mm-hmm. that you don't have. And sometimes it can just be a little bit disarming, I mm-hmm. think is the probably the best way to describe it. You know, you feel a bit like, okay, why didn't I know that? You know, why didn't I bring that perspective?
1: Yeah. Sure.
0: So, Molly, we've talked about kind of avoiding the imposter syndrome as much as possible and that feeling of, oh my God, but inevitably it's going to be there. So how do you deal with it when that moment hits you of like, oh my God, I don't know the answer to this. So a budgets right recently i feel like we've talked about how much we hate finance you probably probably understand that by now but so molly and i recently have both had an absolute nightmare wrangling our c sheets into shape with our budget forecasting if you don't know what a c sheet is if you don't know what budget forecasting is be thankful because yeah, it's lucky literally you. the bane of my life
1: Do you know what it's not even now that i'm starting to understand it more it's not even that hard but it's just like getting your head around it and also the fear of spending too much money oh my god like, absolutely loving the whole company's budget like that scares me <laughs> not gonna happen in you know if i'm rationalizing here but that's yeah i found that quite scary and daunting in the beginning
0: i mean you almost did do that before in fairness yeah
1: yeah <laughs> i no i'm not gonna tell that story. why I love- <laughs> Are we talking about the time where I gave away our card details? Yeah. Okay, so I will tell this story so you can laugh at me. Also, this fits into being honest.
0: Yes, completely.
1: Because there was this one time that we were signing up to this tool online and the payment wasn't going through properly. I'd put in all the card details correctly and it just wasn't working. And I, stupidly, decided to screenshot the page with all of our card details on, all of the company card details, and email it to the company and say... This isn't going through. Can you tell me why? And immediately, as soon as I pressed the send button, I was like, shit, I've just given away all of our card details. And immediately, I went to my manager. There we go. Honest me. Big, yeah, amazing. You know. I said to her, I'm. I so-
0: definitely would have just like sat and cried for about 10 minutes. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, do you know what? Probably nothing would have happened. But. Mm. And I just went to her and I said, I'm so stupid this is what I've just done. And she had to go this to then to our director and say, you've got to cancel the company card. Like, Molly's just done this. And I was kicking myself for, like, days after. Oh God. And I think that the manager I had at the time didn't feel like she needed to, like, tell me off because yeah. I'd acknowledged what I'd done, like, immediately. Yeah. And I was just so angry with myself. Yeah. For a long time after that, for years, I was not trusted with the company card. <laughs> um Thankfully, she has now taken back control of it. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, like, that That was a tough time when I had to own up and be like, oh, mm. I've made it But you owned through. up. I did. You owned up. That's yeah. the most
0: important thing. Yeah. And it was not when you were a manager. <laughs> it was not when I was a No, but it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I, there, probably I can't think of an example right now because there are so many examples where I've just done the most stupid things. Like, it's so mm. easy. We're human. We do it. It's yeah. fine. There are mistakes, and I feel like... 9 times out of 10 if you've got a team that gives two shits about their job it mm. is the that exact thing if you don't even need to say anything because they know Yeah.
1: Do you know what I thought about this listening back to our first episode we sort of talked about all these um things that you face as a new manager but as people who lead very competent teams Yeah.
0: And I think So true. Yeah,
1: I think there are people that are listening that may not have that. Mm. I think that's something we'll definitely touch on in future episodes like how how these things apply when you don't have a team that you can trust or that are not competent or not quite there yet um yes it's an interesting one yeah it's it's something i have (laughs) experienced Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) something Yeah. uh, yeah we'll definitely we'll touch on it in a in a future episode because yeah we're very i mean I don't know if I can say I'm lucky because, you know, I literally handpick them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it,
0: it is fortunate that we yeah. have teams that we can trust and it definitely makes it easier. Can I tell my budget story now? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, do your budget. No, not at all. I actually, I really don't ever want to talk about budgets again. <laughs> but, um, but you know, more like I've genuinely probably never had a hit of imposter syndrome harder than when someone is asking me something finance related. For that reason of the stakes are high, like Mm. it's money, what on earth do i do if something goes wrong i literally say the first thing i can think of and then just hope for the best <laughs> i was i was so pleasantly surprised when my finances balanced <laughs> how did that happen <laughs> literally, I was like, oh, what a fantastic coincidence yeah. this is wonderful news uh, the reason why i'm bringing this up and you're looking at me in quite a confused way so i feel like you don't necessarily know why i'm bringing this no. up but it's because you took a different approach recently when we sat down to do some six plus six forecasting which leads into this idea of being honest and just admitting when you don't know so can you tell me a bit about that
1: yeah so I I just asked I just said I don't know this particular thing can you please tell me and then I sort of got the answer that I needed and then I went and reflected on it And, and then I messaged someone in finance and I just said actually I could really do with like talking to you for five minutes about this about how finance works, about how budgeting works. <laughs> Do you know, you know, five minutes on just
0: how finance works. Generally you know? <laughs>
1: finance. <laughs> Can me. you give me
0: a step-by-step um, guide to finance in five minutes, please?
1: <laughs> basically that. Um, but no, they clarified a few things for me and now I, I feel, I don't feel like it's my most confident area, but like I, I know what I'm doing. Do you know what is really funny
0: though, because I had the exact same questions that you had. Like mm. I didn't know the same things that you didn't know. Did I ask someone? No. Because literally I was just thinking I should know the answer to this mm. like I should know or I should be able to google it like I should yeah. be able to find this out I should not and I think budget probably is one of the biggest things that changes when you become a manager mm. uh, I'm, I'm not assuming that's the same for everyone but for our role particularly we have now taken on budgetary responsibility which to be honest I would love to just like leave to someone else <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's an option and it is one of those things that's really scary to take on board and you don't, I mean, unless you have some sort of education in it, you don't really know what it is or what you have mm. to do or anything like that. And it's one of those like dark arts that people just like don't really talk yes. about and everyone just kind of lets, lets go along. Yeah. And
1: it'll <laughs> we, work out in the end. Yeah, it'll, exactly. Balance. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope so. But yeah, so I ha- I had the exact same questions, but I just didn't want to ask because mm-hmm. it feels like something that you should just know. Like, you take on the managerial responsibility and, oh yeah, you know how to yeah. manage
1: budget now, don't you? I think I am trying to take full advantage of the fact that I'm early on in my management role mm. and I can ask these questions and I can not know things. Because I think if I don't say anything and I get, like, a year or two down the line and then, like, then they're going to know. Then yeah, they're going to find out so I don't really true. know. So, I yeah, I try often, I'll find, if I'm in a meeting, I won't the questions won't immediately come to me then I need to sort of time to reflect and be like did I fully understand that no and then I need to like wait for the next opportunity to bring that mm. up but yeah it's a difficult one and I don't I don't there's I think there's very few situations where I wouldn't feel comfortable like messaging and that just speaks to this sort of culture that we have in the company that we work for we could ping anyone in the company a message and say could you explain this to me I need help with that I could do with your guidance here and they'd say yes I don't think there's anyone that wouldn't um but yeah if you if you don't have that sort of culture I imagine that would be a lot harder yeah I agree but then equally in any culture
0: there are humans
1: like there's people
0: and as long as you, you don't have to be friends with everyone in the organization not everyone has to be open to helping you but even if you have like a few people that you can kind of connect with and particularly if it's people that are in a similar position to you might be new to management Mm. or might you know have just taken a step up in one way or another or just someone genuinely just you know have things in common with kind of forging those connections can then really help you to find out more about you know different ways that the company works and things that maybe you wouldn't have found out otherwise Mm
1: -hmm. yeah definitely i agree So for someone
0: who said that they're not very confident in this podcast today, what I think we're learning is that you actually do have a very confident managerial persona, whether it's how you kind of feel underneath. Is that something you've had to like work on since you took on your managerial role, would you say?
1: Yeah, I don't know that if it's, if it's confidence or just openness and honesty. Mm. Um, I don't, I certainly don't always feel confident confidence is definitely something that I've had to work on a lot and there's a few things that we'll probably go into way more detail in a different podcast about that I've done um, very intentionally to build my confidence even before getting into a management role so that I could take that next step but
0: then Molly on the kind of flip side of that confidence how often do you check in with that part of you that feels scared or intimidated when you're presented with a difficult situation
1: Mm, I I feel like I have to remind myself to do this a lot because particularly when I'm presented with um, a situation where I need to make a decision, often my natural instinct is to look outwards, to mm. Google something, to get other people's opinions. But if I take the time to sort of reflect, I do have the answers and I do know, and I, it's just something that I need to sort of pull out of myself. I think it's quite easy to look for look to other people or to Google for the answer. But um, I think trusting... Yourself and your sort of gut feeling on things is quite important. Mm, yeah,
0: absolutely. And I'm interested, actually, Molly. So, in the last episode of this podcast, you talked to us a little bit about managing upwards mm-hmm. and in managing your manager, managing you know senior stakeholders in a scenario. So. A, an important part of that is knowing when you can have vulnerable conversations yeah. with your manager. So how do you ask for support when you need it? When you're feeling really in the depth of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the answer to this question. I don't know where to go with this project or with this people-related challenge. How how do you have that conversation around asking for that help?
1: I think it's important before you go and seek help to sort of think to yourself like what would be the ideal outcome here Mm. like what ultimately although you might not know how to get there yet and that's what you need the help with like ultimately what do I want to happen here Mm. and I think that's quite important I think support looks very different to different people for me when I seek support I want someone that I can talk things through in most situations I think it varies depending on the problem Um, but I just need someone to sort of listen to me, talk something through so that I can get to the conclusion on my own. What I would, what I don't like is someone trying to take something and fixing all my problems because I don't feel like I learn anything from that. Um, so I think support looks different at different stages in your career. Maybe when I was in an exec-level job, my manager would sort of take it and fix it for me. But now I really find that what I want from support looks a little bit different.
0: Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. I think it can be really vulnerable more so with a manager than it is with your team to admit when things are feeling mm. you know high pressure yeah. um or you're you're not quite sure where to go with something do you find that that it, it can be harder to have those conversations upwards than downwards
1: yeah a little bit i remember quite early on in this role there was something in particular that i found really really stressful just the situation that i was experiencing And I that
0: is very cryptic. It is. (laughs) I will
1: not reveal any more details. But uh, I and I sat on it. I think for too long. Right. Instead of seeking help early, and I was getting so stressed about this situation that I could not see a way out. Wow. I didn't know what ultimately a, a good outcome here would look like, and I sort of felt a little bit blinded by it. And I got to the point where I was just like. (laughs) Uh I need help here and I reached out and I sort of said I I don't know what the answer is here but I'm I'm stressed and I'm struggling and although that I felt really vulnerable in that moment saying that I felt as soon as I sort of walked out from having that discussion I, it was just such a weight that was mm. lifted off my shoulders. Mm. I felt like I was just drowning. The weight of I had the weight of the world on me, and just talking it through, I sort of helped me see a little bit more clearly and the sort of outcomes of that. It took me a little while to act on it, but just sharing and being honest with how I was feeling about it, it was just so helpful. It was daunting in the beginning for sure, but um, I think I've really that taught me the importance of Mm. getting help earlier on rather than just sort of drowning. (laughs) Yeah,
0: definitely. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that you went through that. That does not sound like a fun situation. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing to say about support is that it doesn't have to come from your line manager. For sure. Because I think that some line manager relationships can feel a bit transactional. Like you're there to, you know, do a job. They're there to check in. If if everything's going well, you know, fine, sorted, forget. yeah, fine, <laughs> tick, tick, tick. But and you know that might not be the space where you can ask for support. Hopefully it is. I would hope that every line manager would give an element of support to someone throughout their role. But. You know, if you don't feel that you can have that conversation with your line manager, identify other role models mm. that you aspire to, um, that you, you know, want to emulate the behaviours of or learn from. doesn't have to be your line manager. You are, hopefully, in your organisation, surrounded by inspirational people. Yeah. So lean on anyone, you know, I'm sure that unless you work in an organisation full of horrible people, that, you know, people are are happy to help and to lend an ear. And Mm. sometimes it can actually be really um, good to have that fresh perspective and it actually can help more than someone Mm. that's kind of in the thick of it with you.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I think different people have different strengths around you. Who else is there to support you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think focusing on the outcome is a really nice way of framing it because mm. it can be so easy to feel that when you're asking for support you're moaning you're having a whine, yes. you're you know oh. just airing your dirty laundry so
1: true and i had before i had this particular conversation i said i don't want to sound like i'm moaning but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but listen to me moan <laughs>
1: yeah but sometimes you you do need to just get it out doing oh absolutely yeah no mm. venting brilliant love
0: that <laughs> highly mm. recommend venting but if you want a solution, mm-hmm. which nine times out of ten we realistically do, it's probably not. Yeah, you it's know, no, not no, quite the can, the way yeah. to go about it. But if you are focused on the outcome, like Molly said, that can really help you to kind of crystallise what needs to be achieved, what mm-hmm. information you need to give, what's most relevant, rather than just getting
1: bogged down in the they said this and I said that and this happened and you know that's so easy to fall into. It is yeah that can be quite a stressful situation but yeah something I'm trying to really work on is like ultimately what is the good outcome here and then it really helps me often on my own to just find out find the solution what steps do I need to take to get there. Yeah absolutely
0: I completely agree. So in this episode we have been telling you how to admit When you don't know something, hopefully you all feel confident now to go away and say, I don't know. Or one of the many other ways that we've told you (laughs) that you can say that you don't know. But genuinely, it's so easy when you take on your first management role to have that feeling of, what the fuck am I doing?
1: Mm. And
0: it's something I think we can say it gets easier and it absolutely does, but we're still only six months in. It's not easy yet. (laughs) It's, It's still a massive challenge to have those vulnerable moments and... To not just feel like you have to be that voice of authority and decision. And to admit that sometimes you don't have all the answers. And that's yeah. absolutely fine. But hopefully you're feeling a lot of support from this community. This is what we want for the new managers club. We want to uplift everyone. And you know, remind you that even if you feel like you don't know. You know. You know you why do. you're here. You yeah. know why you're doing this don't let that imposter syndrome eat up all of the amazing things that you're bringing to this role you are doing an amazing job you wouldn't be put in this position if the people around you didn't believe that you could do an amazing job and actually nine times out of ten the reason why you don't believe that you can is because of you and not because of anyone else so just focusing on the strengths that you're bringing and to molly's point you know focusing on realistic outcomes based on challenging situations that you might be presented with can be so helpful to just really focusing in on why you are here and how to thrive in your managerial role
1: that was a lovely motivational speech was it it. oh wow brilliant you're definitely the more
0: motivational (laughs) out of the two of us i feel like we should let you do that (laughs) you did great oh thank you so much that is high praise indeed from molly so as you all may know by now we close up these episodes by sharing with you one thing that we learned from this week so this could be a learning resource like a book or a podcast a webinar um you know something that we've kind of invested some learning time in could be a conversation an inspirational person the possibilities are endless So, I am going to take the reins this week and tell you something that I learned from. And this is a little bit different. This is not a book. This is not something traditional. You won't be able to put this down as CPD. But, something that actually I took a bit of time for this week that was really beneficial was some damn fresh air. Like, this (laughs) sounds so silly when I say that. I realise I sound like a five-year-old right now. But do you feel like when you take on a more advanced role Mm -hmm. it can be so easy to like have all your time sucked up and you just feel like you do not have time like there's there's suddenly too few hours in the day to get everything done that you need to get done and it can be an actual nightmare and i'm such a big advocate of getting for lunchtime walks Mm -hmm. get molly loves a morning run i know (laughs) which i do not but (laughs) but you know getting out there and you know getting some fresh air getting a, a you know, some time away from your desk, which can be really beneficial, but I have been absolutely slammed this week, and I have not had time to do that, and it has been really, mm. I've I not enjoyed it, it's, I've felt cooped up, it's been horrible, actually what I did yesterday, so I knew that I didn't have time, I was literally between meetings, yesterday lunchtime, Um I just had enough time to eat, I was actually dealing with a very stressful crisis, and I, <laughs> which Molly knows about, because I've moaned to her about it so much, and <laughs> I, I, li- I did not have time, so I literally just, Stepped outside of my front door and stood in the sun for like three minutes. Oh,
1: I love that.
0: I was photosynthesizing. Like, I, it was just, it was actually, it was so nice because I knew I didn't have time to get what I fully yeah. needed from going and, you know, taking a full walk. But literally just that moment to myself, and realistically, everyone has like two, three minutes mm-hmm. between a meeting. If you need to be a little bit late, say your last meeting's running over... Just just you know make an excuse get yourself out of that environment and like give yourself just a little bit of time and standing we had an amazing like crisp winter but sunny day um, on the day that I did this and I literally just stood in like a little sun ray and like turned my face towards the sun and it was just the most like grounding wholesome experience I probably had this week it was so good and I would really recommend like I said if you can't get out for a full walk or a full run or Kayak, whatever the <laughs> hell you do in your <laughs> lifetime, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised if you would do that.
1: We do live by the Thames, but no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: but whatever floats your boat, literally. <laughs> People have different COVID induced routines, yeah. um, you know, constrained by lockdown or whatever we are. Time away from your desk and the screen is something that I actually really learned from in terms of. I used to do this more. (laughs) So, I hope that that maybe inspires a few of you to do the same thing. I'm inspired. Are you? You're gonna go out and do some (laughs) (laughs) photosynthesizing.
1: Amazing. Well, I hope you enjoy it. So, what's next? We'll be back in a fortnight with a brand new episode, but in the meantime, you can connect with us on Instagram at New Managers Club and we hope to see you there. In the meantime, keep smashing
0: it, managers. You got this. We made it through January or I hope we did, we're actually recording this mid-January, so I have no idea <laughs> we it might not make it. <laughs> be downhill from here. I have not got a clue. We've actually got to get um, through Blue Monday very soon. Has so. that not already passed? No. no. Oh, no. Maybe for you, not Bye. for everyone else. <laughs> Maybe you've already had your Blue Monday. But we are here with you every step of the way. Please do subscribe and keep in touch with us, and we hope to see you in the very next episode. See you next time. Bye.